Welcome to the Equipping You in Grace podcast, hosted by Dave Jenkins. The Equipping You in Grace podcast is a podcast about helping Christians develop a biblical worldview in a conversational tone about issues inside and outside the church. Now, for today's episode, let's join our host, Dave Jenkins. Well, welcome back to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. My name is Dave, and I'm the host for this show. And today I want to talk with you about the current statistics that have recently been released about Gallup, along with some commentary on them. First thing to say is Scripture is the reliable, is trustworthy, it's without error, it's without the possibility of error. And it's clear and it's a binding word for every stage and phase of life. Now, it might seem that that first sentence is fairly clear. It's it's even straightforward. And, and you're right. It's a clear summary of what Scripture and what the church has taught about Scripture. In the past few decades, though, we have seen a multi-pronged assault on the Bible. From quote-unquote, if you're not listening, I just used, if you're not watching, I should say, I just used quotation marks when I said progressive, Christianity, to New Age, to social justice, and to attacks on a biblical understanding of gender and sexuality. Additionally, there is the growing influence of the new apostolic reformation, and you know what, let's be honest, the list just never seems to end. And amid these ongoing attacks on the Bible, it must also be said that that the statistics on biblical and theological illiteracy keep getting worse and worse. A recent Gallup study states that now 30% in 2011 and 24% in 2017 believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. Let me say that again. A recent Gallup study states that now just 30% in 2011 and 24% in 2017 believe that the Bible is the literal word of God. Now, these statistics, and the reason that I repeat it that way, is because in the 1980s, for example, 40% of people thought that the Bible was the literal word of God. Now, it isn't shock, if that isn't shocking enough, recent research reveals that 29% of Americans believe that the Bible is a collection of fables, legends, history, moral precepts recorded by men. Now, this is really important because the opposite of this is as Christians, we believe, as I stated at the beginning, that the Bible is reliable, it's trustworthy, it's without error, it's without the possibility of error, it's, it's clear, it's binding on our lives, and it's for every phase and every aspect of our lives. Well, Scripture in Titus 1-2 says that God cannot lie. This means that when God, God, since God has spoken in His Word, and in His Word, the whole, the 66 books, contain the word of God, it means that if God errs in some way, then his word is not without error, and it also means something else. It means that God isn't holy. But one of the, one of the, we call this, 
the controlling attribute of God, the holiness of God in the Bible. God is revealed as a holy God. That means that God must always act in accordance with his revealed character and will. And that's what Titus 1-2 is saying. That scripture contains the Holy Spirit-inspired words of the God who never lies. And also, Titus 1-2 ties the character of God to the authority of the word of God. And so when Christians rightly state that the Bible is without error, or without the possibility of error, they mean that because God cannot lie, his word is entirely trustworthy because he's holy. And that means that we can take the promises in Scripture, like 2 Corinthians 1.20, to the bank. We can take them to the bank, knowing that, as Paul says, for all the promises of God find their yes in him. Now, one of the things that I like to do when talking about theology, it's important that we be consistent and that we adhere to the word of God. And this is why the sufficiency of scripture, it really, really matters. It matters for our life. It matters that we consistently and, and as, a, as a pattern of our lives, we're marked by walking as the scripture says, and as we'll consider towards the end, we walk in a manner worthy of the calling that we've received. After all, Christ has taken our hearts of stone and he has replaced it with a new heart. With, with new desires and new affections for himself. We have been, as Colossians 1 said, transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. So, so the sufficiency of scripture is really, really critical in the moment in which we are living today. And it's vital to understand the sufficiency of scripture because what it states is that scripture is for every phase and every stage of life. And so earlier I read the statistic where people believe that scripture is full of fairy tales, myths, and, and legends, and so on and so forth. Well, that belief undermines the sufficiency of scripture. Because remember, the sufficiency of scripture is for every phase and every stage of life. And what's revealing about that statistic I'm discussing is that 49% of Americans who respond that the Bible is neither strictly literal nor fables option also said that, that the Bible is inspired by God, not at all to be taken literally. Let me, let me say that again. So those who responded in the Gallup survey, that, that the Bible is neither strictly literal nor fables option, they also said that the Bible is inspired by God, not at all to be taken literally. And now the interesting part of this whole Discussion in 2011, 49% said the same thing, with 52% choosing the same option in 2022. Now, what this gets really, really interesting as we understand what's been happening in this same time from 2011 to 2022. We have been seeing the rise of critical race theory, intersectionality, the Enneagram, yoga, on and on in the church. You see, when you don't believe and consistently put into practice scripture, we need to ask a serious question. Is it any wonder 
why we've seen many evangelicals undermine the very authority in Scripture that they profess to believe in the last few decades. And we can go all the way back to, the, you know, the 50s and the 60s with, you know, the seeker-sensitive movement, and then, and then you know, even, even the emerging church movement, or the church growth movement, and on and on. What these movements reveal is that we would rather have something other than the Bible in not only the Protestant movement, which, by the way, to be Protestant, you must believe in the five souls. The very first one is Sola Scriptoris. You must believe and have a good understanding of the Bible as a reliable, trustworthy, without error, without possibility of error, clear, binding, word that is for every phase and stage of life. And by the way, and I'll say this in just a minute, but I'll say also now is that to be an evangelical means that you believe that too. And and in the last 10 years, we've seen even among evangelicals, you'll see shared convictions around the Bible. Everyone will give you an amen, amen to that. Scripture is without error. It's, it's inerrant. But then uh, what I want you to do after you're done with this episode, I want you to go look at the top Christian books that have been published in the last decade. Go look. You can type it up. Type it up. Look for top Christian books, nonfiction books published in 2021, 2020, and, and 2019, 2018. Go look, at the, go look at those books. I'm not saying go read them, but look at what the top books are. And what you're going to find is it's, they're all about me. They're all about self-help. And then, and then you look at what many prominent evangelical publications publish. Now, not all of them, but you look at what they publish. They say that they believe that the Bible is without error. And yet, and let's be real here, they don't publish material from those who are evangelicals. Historically, evangelicals are those who believe in the reliability and trustworthiness of Scripture. They believe that these are God's words— and that they are without error and without the possibility of error. And that they're clear and they're binding and they're for every phase and stage of life. And now this is where the rubber meets the road. And this is where the sufficiency of Scripture takes us. Remember, a quite literal definition of the sufficiency of Scripture is for faith and practice. It's for our faith and it's for our practice. It's the practice thing that I'm going to highlight here. It isn't enough to give assent to the sufficiency of Scripture if you're not going to put into practice what the Bible says and have your ministry shaped by Scripture. We need to understand that you have undermined the belief that you say that you've professed. James 1.22 very clearly tells us that we are not to be hearers but doers of the Word of God. That means that we not just hear the word, but we do the word by the grace of God with the help of the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. That means that for us, we do not seek an analytical tool or device that does not cohere with the word of God. Any ideology, any philosophy, we are to reject. 1 Thessalonians 5.21 commands us, commands us to test all things to hold fast to what is good. I can't think of a better way to say it. Biblically minded, biblically rooted Christians 
are those who will test all things according to the word of God. That means you better test this podcast. You better test any podcast you listen to. You better test any sermon you hear. You better test any book that you read. All things in accordance with the word of God. Test all, all, all things. All things. Hold fast to what is good. In Acts 17, what were the Bereans commended by Paul for doing? For searching the word. What, what, what did Paul commend the Thessalonians for doing? Because they searched the scriptures. They were commended by Paul because they received the word with gladness in 1 Thessalonians 1 and 2. Why? Because they were like the Bereans. They believed the word, they were taught the word, and they received the word of God. You see, you cannot, you, you need to test all things. You need to, to search the scriptures. When your pastor is preaching to you, when, when an author is writing, whether that's an article or, or you're listening to a podcast, you need to test that by the word of God. If, if it adheres to the word of God, then you are to receive it. You're not just to, too many people are receiving, they're taking in false teaching. There, there's a guy that uh, I know, and I asked him this question. I said, you know, you, you seem like you read on a lot of websites. And I asked him, I said, I asked him, and I said, hey, how do you know that that person is trustworthy? Do, do they have a degree? How, where do they go to school? Where do they get their education? Where do they get their information? Do you know? Have you even looked? And he looked at me. He, he thought about it. And it hit him. He didn't have an answer. But he turned to me and he said, well, where'd you get your degrees? I said, since you're at my house, come in my office. I'll show them to you. In fact, I'll do more than show you. I'll hand them to you. You can look at them. You can hold them in your hands. And you let that sink in. And the point I make is, it's not that you have to have a seminary degree to be a trustworthy person. That, that's not what I'm saying. But sometimes you have to ask people, where are you getting the information that you are? On the internet, anybody can be anybody. We can say whatever we want to say with, with seemingly little to, to any accountability. Where are you getting your information? Do you know that the, the people, do they even have a bio? Do they even have a statement of faith? Do they have something where they state what they believe? If not, don't, don't, don't receive their counsel. Don't receive their instruction, friends. Be discerning. See the red flags for what they are. Maybe, maybe they have some abhorrent doctrine, and they're hiding behind it. Here at Servants of Grace, we are decidedly... We're decidedly rooted in the Word of God, but we're also rooted in, in the 1689 Confession. We require all of our writers to be, all of our articles, to be rooted in Scripture, and we require everyone to be broadly Reformed, meaning they better believe in one of the Reformed Confessions, whether that's the 1689, the Three Forms of Unity, the Heidelberg, or, or the Westminster Confession. You, you can bet, because, and, and even just a word on that, Confessions and th those things, they don't mean that they're above the Word of God, but they, these things have been tested by time, by time, by faithful men and women, and they've stood the test of time because they adhere to the timeless, 
and authoritative teaching of the word of God. And now, as I, as I talk about putting into practice our faith, I, I'm not aiming as well, and it needs to be clear, I'm not aiming to assign motives or even question legitimacy of anybody's convictions. But I also need to say that one aspect that isn't often considered in discussions about the doctrine of Scripture and its authority is Scripture's consistency and its coherency. Now, all of us are imperfect in the practice of our convictions. The Scriptures also teach to walk in a manner of the wor- worthy of the calling that we have received in Ephesians 4.1. Paul and James teach us to put into practice what we believe in Philippians 4.9. And in James 2, it, it matters what we believe about Scripture. But it also matters that we put Scripture into practice, daily practice, by walking this walk of faith in light of what Scripture teaches and being obedient to the revealed will of God. And here's a question that every Christian needs to ask. How can we put into practice the convictions that we undermine? This is a question we all must ask, and it's a convicting question. If we're honest, we all undermine the convictions we believe because we don't practice the very thing that we, that we believe, that we do the very thing that, that we know we shouldn't. That's why James says, to us, it's sin. <coughs> we do the very thing that we know we shouldn't, and that's the very definition of sin. It's missing the mark, the mark of God's standard, of God's law. That's why... The Christian life, as Luther said, is to be marked by ongoing repentance. It's not just we repent for conversion. We continue to repent because we continue to have indwelling or remaining sin. We have a need of God's grace. That's why Paul says uh, in Ephesians 1 that that the grace of God abounds and abounds to us, not not so that we'll live in our sin, but, but so that we'll turn from our sin to the glory of the grace of God that is ours because of our union with Christ. This is very convicting, but we live in a time when when we need to understand many people claim extra-biblical revelation and, and even commissions from the Lord to put together Bible translations and to teach whatever whatever they want. These teachers teach whatever they want outside of the Bible. And yet, let's be clear about something. The Holy Spirit, as we considered recently in, in one of our episodes, it, the Holy Spirit indwells every Christian. He, the Holy Spirit, aims to use the Word in our lives to point us to Christ from the Word so we can grow to be more like Christ. That's what Romans 8.28 and 2 Peter 3.18, which, by the way, 2 Peter 3.18, it commands us to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, what these statistics reveal for us is that the battle for the Bible that was waged in the 1970s, we need to understand this battle for the Bible is is not over. It is not dead and gone. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we are living in a time, and make no mistake about it, and I will state it emphatically for you, We are living in a time when the Bible is under assault. I I mentioned earlier, it's under assault from critical race theory. It's under assault 
from the Enneagram. It's under assault from the yoga. And these are, by the way, there's over 70 plus books published by by Christian publishers on the Enneagram. The Enneagram is a device that is rooted in pagan philosophy. Yoga is the worship of, of demons. It's a doctrine of demons. Critical race theory is an analytical tool rooted in pagan philosophy. And yet we are seeing these things, these quote-unquote analytical tools being used in the church today to suggest that Christians need to obey. Now, these are actual things that many Christian leaders, quote-unquote Christian leaders, are telling Christians in their churches to practice the Enneagram, to practice Christian yoga, to engage in critical race theory and intersectionality and more. And, and we haven't even got to the, to the gender and sexuality, and Adam is a real person in real history. My friends, the Bible is under assault in our day. But, but it's not just in our day. The Bible has been under assault and will be because Scripture confronts us with the question, do you believe God? Will you take God at his word? And will you obey the word of God? If so, you must believe and you must practice the word in your everyday walk of obedience. Dear Christian, you must stand on the word of God. You must, you're commanded to rightly handle the word of God in 2 Timothy 2.15. Discernment is not an option in our times. It's a must at all times, Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5.21. We must contend for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints, Jude 3 tells us. We are to speak the truth in love, Ephesians 4.15 tells us. We are to give an answer for the reason for the hope that we have, and to do so with gentleness and respect, Peter says in 1 Peter 3.15. Furthermore, the reason given for all this by Paul to his to Timothy, it's vital to say in 2 Timothy 2, 24-25, which says, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, and they must come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Another fascinating aspect of this Gallup poll is how it coincides with, further with the perceived importance of religion in America. In 2022, 44% said religion was important, down from 60% in 2022. And during this same per period, the conviction that the Bible is the word of God went from 30% to 20%. You see, dear brothers and sisters, the point of all this is to say this. The battle for the Bible is not ended. It is as old as the Garden of Eden, and it will continue until Christ returns. And in between today and the return of Christ, let's, you and me, let's be faithful to the Word of God. Scripture reveals from Genesis to Revelation, and everywhere in between, the glory of Christ. Scripture is enough for us because it's the only way to know God. Scripture is enough because it reveals a sufficient Christ to meet every need in every phase and every stage of our lives. This is why the sufficiency of Scripture matters, because it is for the faith and the practice of the Christian, or as I like to say, it's for every stage and phase of our lives. 
You see, dear brothers and sisters in Christ, the time to cower is not now. It's not time to cower in fear, brothers and sisters. The time is for us to stand on the word of God without apology, without compromise. We must proclaim the glad tidings and the good news of Jesus from the word of God. You know what? We have a word from God. It's in the word of God. It's in the 66 books, the 39 in the old, the 27 in the new. The whole Bible is reliable. It's trustworthy. It's without error. It's without the possibility of error. It's clear. It's binding on our lives. It's, and it's for all of life. And so it matters not just that you believe the Bible, but how are you doing at practicing? As one of my friends, biblical counseling friends, likes to say, how much of God's work can you access? And how much of God's work can you use in your ministry? It's a very, very convicting question. But it's very pertinent to our discussion today. How much of God's word can you access? How much of it can you use? And and even, let me take that a step further, how much of it, not, not for the other person's benefit, but how much of it for your own benefit, for the benefit of your soul, for your own sanctification, for your own growth in the grace of God, how much of it are you practicing? And when you're not practicing, let's, let's be honest. 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Let's, let's be about the business of, of owning up to our, our sin and calling what it, what it is and not just saying, you know what, that, that's for somebody else. Don't call your sin. Turn from confess your sin and do what the text says in 1 John 1, 9. Turn to your Savior. Run to your Savior. The author, is Hebrews 12, tells us the author and finisher of your faith. In fact, in the next verses, in, in 1 John 2, 1 through 2, it tells us that Jesus is our advocate before the Father. He ever lives to plead our cause. We have a faithful Hebrews 2, 17 through 18, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, very clearly tell us. He is a faithful high priest. You can run to him 24, 7. You can tell him about your petitions. You can tell him, <clears throat> you can tell him about your struggles. You can tell him about your fears. You can tell him about your doubts. You can run to the Lord. And this is where the sufficiency of Scripture helps us. It not only helps us to be grounded in the Word of God, but it helps our walk with God to be regulated, to be controlled by the Word of God that we believe. See, we are to be to believe all that Scripture teaches, and we are to practice all that Scripture teaches. That is where the rubber meets the road. And that, friends, is the work of sanctification. And that is why these statistics are so alarming that we've considered today, because they paint a picture of, of where the church is. And what they paint a picture of is that many who claim and profess to be evangelicals, they are not even. They have abandoned the very definition of that term. Because to be an evangelical is to believe in the reliability and trustworthiness. It is to believe that the Bible is without it. And to be a Protestant means that you believe, historically, you believe sola scriptura. You believe that the Bible is reliable, trustworthy, and you believe in the sufficiency of Scripture. Friends, these are not trite matters. We live in challenging times. We need to be grounded in, and we must be shaped by the Bible, and we must stand 
on the teaching of the Word of God, and we must understand what the church has about the Bible. And we're going to talk about that for the majority of the of the rest of the year, uh, on and off, and probably for a good while into 2023, because there are so many things that we need to understand about how this scripture is under assault today, because so many aren't talking about it. There's some that are, praise God, but we need to really dive in, and we are. And so I want to encourage you to invite your friends to listen or watch these episodes. Please share them with your friends and family. Uh, come and let's 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 join together and let's stand on the word of God in a day where the Bible is under assault. And let's be let's discover what the scripture says about all of these wonderful things about itself. And let's discover what the church has taught about those those things. And let's not only proclaim what the scripture says, but let's proclaim what the church has taught all for God's glory so that we might see disciples made and the church strengthened and the lost saved for the glory of Christ. I want to thank you for listening or watching this episode of the Equipping You in Grace podcast. Until next week, may God bless you and keep you. Thank you for listening to the Equipping You in Grace podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, rate us on the app, and share this with your friends and family on social media. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at Servants of Grace, on Instagram at Servants of Grace, or by searching at Servants of Grace on Facebook. You can also find this episode and many others like it on the front page of our website, servantsofgrace.org.